Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Illumineers Quest podcast, where we talk everything Lorcana. I'm Zach. And I'm Jacob. And thanks for coming on this journey with us. Okay, so today's, I think, I haven't seen you this excited in a while. Bro, one of these. get hyped. It's the Floodborne episode. All about Floodborne. Is, everything Floodborne. Is, Let's go. Is that the title of this? The Floodborne episode? Yes! Okay, the Floodborne episode. So we are talking about Floodborne cards, obviously, which are the shift cards ability, or the, the cards with the ability shift. We're talking about... Current some of the current cards meta. We're talking about a couple of the future cards. I would imagine that they've announced. We're talking about a little bit of the lore. I know you want to, to sprinkle in, and then lastly, kind of how that that changes. You know what? I'm going to do the pun. Kind of how those cards will shift the meta over time. Absolutely, and we've got Rise of the Floodborn on the horizon, so we got to prepare yes. for what's coming. There's a lot. There's a lot coming with that for sure. So, with that said, as always, uh, please follow us on. Our YouTube channel uh, at Lumineers Quest and catch all the things we have there. Um, click a little spoiler alert. We did actually get our pre-orders in for Rise of the Floodborne, so we will have more unboxings coming once those cards come out. Um, you can also mention us on Twitter and ask comments there at Lorcana Pod, um, and the same for our email address. If you want to email us and shoot us a note there, you can at lorconapod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you are listening to this on YouTube, you can follow our audio version on Spotify, Apple, iHeart Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any of the major podcast networks. Absolutely. Okay. Um, no, we're actually filming uh, a couple back-to-back here to get ahead in case we ever miss an episode. But um, So no, no new questions or comments from listeners this time. But that being said, if you do want to have any comments or questions featured on a future episode please reach out and let us know please we enjoy all the questions i know and a lot of the comments and stuff that we do get are really fun and i love the interaction and so genuinely like we would love it if you did okay so getting into card of the week i know you've got a a couple and i say a couple because he's too hyped for the floodborne episode so we've got a couple floodborne options here so Give it a go. This is a special event episode. This is a two-hour special with <laughs> no, special guests. This is not a special two-hour episode. We are not going for two hours. It will we've, be manageable. We've, we've got Brad Pitt and Taylor Swift on the show. This is a special season holiday episode. That is true. Travis Kelsey's coming as well. Yep. <laughs> okay. You know, you know what time period we're in right now, then. <laughs> Get on. What, what's your cards? What's your cards? Let me hear. So, first one I'd like to touch on. This is a not as as often played Floodborne. This is Hades, King of Olympus. It's got six strength, eight cost, uninkable, seven willpower, shift for six, uh, one quest for one lore, or you can do with this ability... This character gets plus one lore for each other villain character you have in play. Villain deck? This is the ultimate villain deck card. And I think it is going to be one that is going to be looked at at every, after every chapter release. And I think at some point, this will be insane. It very well could be a lot stronger in the future. I think the one Nick against it is that it is uninkable and its shift target is also uninkable. So I, I hear where you're coming from, but I think that when there is a villain deck, this is such a crucial card that it's fine being inkable. You're right. I just think you have to have a shift target that is inkable. So if you have a Hades and Amber at some point that is inkable, I mean, if you if you have both of them uninkable, then that's eight cards 
right off the bat that are uninkable. That's fair. No, I agree. I think this one being uninkable alone is fine. I think if you're going to plan on the shift target, then you need an inkable shift target. That's fair. And again, that's something we could see down could the come. line. Could come. Um, and then the second one that I'd like to go to is Jasmine, Queen of Agrabah. And this is a 5-cost inkable, 2-strength, 5 willpower, quest for 2 lore, shifts for 3, and then she has ability Caretaker. When you play this character, whenever she quests, you may remove up to 2 damage from each of your characters. So I love this, because you're doing what you're supposed to do to win the game, right? You're questing. But you get that heal factor off, which is not... It's not everywhere in Sapphire. I think there's only a few cards that, that heal in Sapphire. Yep. Um, and so I think this is a really interesting card that we haven't seen a lot of yet. Um, and I think this is definitely... You know, if you, if you have a, a deep challenger, maybe reckless deck, like where you've got maybe... Maybe it's a Ruby Sapphire, you've got Maui and stuff. You could heal... Heal... Heal Maui with a card like jasmine here and continue to play him and i while questing for two lore every turn and i think it, it it's really really awesome i like it because you can heal the maleficent card in the set the uninvited that has three strength six willpower that quests for three so you know if you shift on this on like turn four and then play maleficent turn five and then you just have that healer out there that they have to deal with that just, like you said, quests and heals every turn. So you'd have to do, you know, ideally six damage in one turn to just take her out. You know, because if you do four, then you heal it for two, then, you know, you're back to having to do a ton of damage to it. So, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think, you know, it does a passive job. Anything, Any card that has a passive ability that does two things at once is always going and continuously does it is always going to be super super helpful also if you're bringing her in turn three with the shift she has five willpower so she's sticking on the board for a little bit yeah um that's a good point but overall i think a, a really useful card and one we might see more in the future of i, I it's it's very possible for sure um all right now are we getting into the main no, you're flip? forgetting our news here we gotta oh, talk that's about right. our news that's right. real no. quick we're, we're, we're a little bit of a side we finally both went to league on the same night. We we decided to play each other even because it had been that long since we've sat down and you and I played in person. We've played Pixelborn on and off a couple times, but it's just so different sitting across from each other and playing. And I got schooled in one form of it and then schooled someone in another form. So <laughs> uh, I know where you're going with this and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Well, no, I, I, I needed it. So I, I play with my, my family at home, and I play it very casually. I'm not used to going to League. Um, I've only done it twice before this last time. Um, so I, I keep, I keep my, my cards, like, mo like my, my inks mostly unexerted when I play a card. You never exert your ink. You never unexert them if you do exert them. You never unexert your cards. That is true. We were trying to build up your TCG manners, if you will. And by the end of it, I was good. Okay. By the end That's of it. All I so care. I really appreciate it. Um, both Zach and, and someone else very helpful there, another player, helped me out um, and taught me a few other quick tips that to help me. He was a master of the TCG. So I, I really appreciated all of it. It was all constructive criticism, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but. We played each other, and spoiler alert, I got 
destroyed. That's, that's where the schooling of, of me, I schooled someone. That's why was, I said I don't appreciate it. I know where you're going with this, and I don't appreciate it. Well, well how would you call that, then? What, okay. What did I do? Here, here's what... Here, Let's give full context to the listeners here. How, how and why did you beat me? Because of my Elsa card. Your Elsa card? Yeah. My Elsa. My Elsa. My four Elsas. Oh, you, oh, so you didn't borrow an Elsa from me before we left. That... I don't think that was a crucial detail. Was that pocket watch that you used to, sh- to shift in and rush the Aladdin to do a four-lore shift in game three? Was, was that your card, too? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. In all seriousness, Jake wanted to borrow some cards to fill out the Ruby Amethyst massive control deck. He borrowed those cards. I was happy to give them to him, and he destroyed me with them. <laughs> so... Taste of your own medicine. I was a little salty about it at the end of it, but it's all fun and games. I'm just glad we got to play again because genuinely, that was the first time we played in what three weeks, maybe. Yeah, uh, in person, not in non-pixel born. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. So it was fun, and I was glad we got to be there at the league again. You got your promo cards from the first set and from this set. I did. I got Hey Hey and Mickey. I was excited about you got that. Yeah, Hey Hey and Mickey. Um, I came in second for this. There's three legs of each league season. I got came in second place for this second leg and got a pin. So pretty pumped about that. I the pins are awesome. I I think we're all getting for the Lorcana pin. I want that Lorcana pin tremendously. Bad. Which you are in contention for. I I am not. So yeah. So the way that the the way that the league works is the top four I think are guaranteed a Lorcana pin, and I think as it stands, I'm in fourth. Yes. So I have to continue to go consistently. I have to wear my Mickey shirts because I learned later on that you get a point for wearing Disney shirts. I have a cool Mickey shirt that I'm going to wear every week now, and I'm going to do my darndest to get said pin. Where I, I mean, I, I may or may not have to go through another route to get it, but I, it looks awesome. It is a very <laughs> cool one. Um, but yeah, no, the main, the main, main news. We went to league together finally. Oh, one other small topic here. How was the booster that you got from playing your two matches? You mean you mean that single booster pack I, I The opened? single booster. So again, the way that it works is, is you pay to go play that night at league, but they give you a booster. So you basically pay for or you basically play for free, but they just you get a booster out of it. And so what did you get from your booster? So I got a Beast Legendary and a Bell Legendary. He got a double legendary pack. And stole the legendary out of my... He didn't steal the legendary out of my pack. I just didn't get a legendary. I have not gotten a single legendary from any of the packs I've opened after playing at League. And there's probably been 12 of them. So, yeah. I'm a little salty. Again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I enjoyed the moment. It was fun for me. Everyone took photos of my cards. We all yelled. Oh, it was was crazy. Because right after Jake pulled his two legendaries, another person that was there pulled a double legendary pack. So four legendaries in two packs was insane. So I, and genuinely, it was a fun to see that to just be there because it was everybody was so high. It was it was a good time, man. I was it was it was awesome. It was cool. So many legendaries being pulled. It was great. Yeah, it was cool. And one of them was a foil legendary. Unfortunately for said person who pulled that, it was a Gantu. <laughs> so. Of course it was, right? Of course it was. But anyways, we had a great time at league this last week. It was fun. We got to play each other. We're moving on to the third wave of Chapter 1 season with within the league, so excited to keep going. But 
With that said, main topic time. Floodborn. Get into it for us. Okay, so Floodborn, we've kind of already said, and for anybody who doesn't know already, Floodborn, again, is the characters that have the shift ability. So they're the more or less some of the more powerful cards in the set in general. But there's also some lore behind them. I mean, to me personally, Floodborn are like the marquee of Lorcana. Like when I when I think of Lorcana and the impact it has on the Disney universe, I think of these cool Floodborne takes. And really it's a reimagining yeah. of characters. Not only is it one of the most impactful card actions within the actual game, but yes, like the lore behind the game and the expansion of Disney, like that is definitely one of the the bigger pieces there. So we have we overall we have a little bit of lore. On the game as a whole, we're supposed to be getting more soon with this set. We we are we are may or may not have been maybe a little promised, but we're waiting on it. Um, but overall, basically, we know is that the other like Dreamborn and Storyborn, they are pulled into the universe by Illumineers, which is us. We're we are pulled into the universe as Illumineers. This this. This Warcana universe, and then we bring in these Disney characters from their stories, but Floodborne are pretty much a whole different ball game. They get, from what we know, they get pulled in from an external source and are created by that source. Yep. So we don't know. I'm sure, maybe, hopefully, we get into specifics down the line, um, but that as as far as as much as we know basically there's a little bit more but that's the main gist yeah i mean i i know that we were supposed to get some a little bit more details in this but from what i've heard like chapter three is when we get like really like an explosion of lore dumped into the universe which i'm a big story guy so i cannot wait for that i'm going to dive right in i'm not as big as you are but your excitement for that lore and for the story behind it has definitely got me on board as well. So I mean, just seeing Chapter 2 called Rise of the Floodborn gets me instantly hyped for it. I think as of right now, we have five Floodborn for, for Chapter 2, so we're already getting into it with that. Um, I, I think we have six, even. Do we have six? Yeah, continue on and I'll look it up. But um, but I just for me, the Floodborn just brings so excitement. Like, seeing, seeing Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, right? Like... Aladdin kind of is a warrior a little bit, like with a sword and all that. Like that, that's just so cool to me and brings so much excitement. Like there, there's a, a mobile game called Disney Mirrorverse where it kind of takes a different, like play on a certain character and they kind of elevate it and evolve it. Um, to me, that's a little bit too far the way they they do it over there. Um, some of them can be a bit silly, but Floodborne to me is perfect. Um, mo mostly all of them are. Um, like Hades, King of Olympus. That's that's kind of you know, spoiler alert for Hercules, but kind of what would have happened if Hades won, you know? Yeah. And I and I think that is amazing to see overall. And I think that it just brings so much excitement and hype to me personally. Yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, you have the art direction, you have, like, the lore direction, you have the gameplay direction. I mean, Floodborne definitely adds the most expansive piece to this game we've seen thus far. It not only is Disney Universe contributing to this, but Floodborne is contributing, I think, to the Disney Universe as a whole. How crazy would it be if in the future we saw, like, 
an alternate universe like Floodborne movie for Heroic Outlaw Ad- Aladdin or something like, crazy like that. If we had that. like a Disney short, you know, classic Disney short based on a Floodborne story, I'd lose my mind. That That'd be, be so that cool. Would, that would be wild. Which, I mean, this has the potential to make that happen because I think as they build the lore, they might build some of those stories into it. But also, as big as this is be- becoming, they might want to bring some of those, you know, new players into the rest of the Disney property. So And with other TCGs, they have avenues like anime and comic books and stuff like that this Lorcana is yet to really find the avenue of storytelling so it'd be really fun to see uh if that ever gets worked in yeah that'd be crazy um but yeah i mean i, I think also with the floodborne cards again you know we're, we we talk a lot about like the game aspects in this obviously and and how that impacts it and you know currently there's what i mean rockstar stitch is incredibly playable so far elsa spirit of winter is incredibly playable so far or aladdin heroic outlaw is incredibly playable. The Aurora Dreaming Guardians played a ton. The Jasmine that Jake already mentioned, the Queen of Agrabah. Don't see her a ton, but still see her some. Then you get Captain Hook, Thinking a Happy Thought. Uh, don't see him a ton either, but I have definitely seen him 10 or 15 times. Uh, Giant Tank from Steel, you see her every single time you see a Steel deck. So I think you know you're getting into a world where there's just going to be a ton of useful floodborns, which is going to potentially you know change the way the game is played. And I and I think I think it's like it's such a good feeling to be like, okay, here's my overall deck, but here's my two floodborns. Here's where my my whole deck really gets going. You know, like my ruby amethyst. Here's my heroic outlaw and my spirit of winter. This is where my deck really shines. And that's I think to build your deck overall around a Floodborne is is one of the best things. Yeah, so, you know, we, we kind of touched on this before we started recording on, like, just Floodborne in general and what our thoughts were, and neither one of us could really think of a deck that is in the meta or that has been super successful or that we've seen that doesn't have a Floodborne in it. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I think maybe a couple of the, like, the, the Emerald, like, aggro decks don't because... You know, the, the genie powers unleashed isn't the super powerful genie that everybody plays. I mean, most um, most of the, the genie that's played is the genie on the job that bounces a character back. And so Emerald's kind of the exception because oh, they're so aggro. Overall, Emerald did get kind of gypped with the, the Floodborne, I think. But I You say that, but looking towards the future, I wanted to touch on this one specifically, is the, the Mickey Mouse Artful Rogue. Um, his Floodborne is it's seven uninkable so again there's a lot of uninkable in emerald already and so he's hard to get into people's decks but he does have six strength five willpower shifts for five and his ability is whenever you play an action chosen opposing character can't quest next turn and as we've seen from the releases in chapter two already there's there's already three actions one costs one one costs three, and one costs two. And those are all in Emerald. And so you're getting a lot of cheap Emerald actions that you can play. And so, as I already mentioned, you know the, the ones that hasn't gotten a lot of love from the Floodborne side is Emerald. But those cards could completely shift Emerald from an aggro-focused meta to more of a mid-game control. control, maybe even like a little bit of late-game control deck because you have the cards to really 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 stall out your opponent with mickey with gothel 
Um, with I mean, I, Jasper's more of an early game stall, but you have Jasper that keeps people from questing too. You have John Silver that obviously keeps people from questing with his reckless um, regards that you, he can put on to another card. So I, I, I think that while we don't have a ton of Emerald Floodborne now, I think that we will definitely see a lot more very soon. I think it's a fair point. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we have a couple of these that are un, not super usable. Like, I mean, we'll touch on the Hades again for a second. Uh, it's not playable now, but again, as more cards are released, since it has a very distinct qualifier, being this character gets plus one for each other villain you play, the more villains that are released and the more villains that are playable makes this card better. And so mm -hmm. it becomes more likely to be played later on down the line. Um I would say the same thing for like the scar that's doesn't get any love and Ruby this the shameless firebrand he's an eight cost uninkable and he shifts for six and his ability is when you play this character ready your characters with a cost three or less they can't quest for the rest of this turn so it's like a very expansive fan the flames or LeFou yes but the pro again, the problem I see with this one is is that Ruby isn't an aggressive deck, so the opposite of Emerald. Like Ruby is a very you know late game control, power heavy with Aladdin, and you know then you have Maui that's you know five costs that's a little bit later in the game played. You have the Stitch and Ruby that quests for three that I'm starting to see pop up more. So the point I'm trying to make is is if they come in Ruby with like Minnie Mouse for instance, who is you know. A, I mean, she costs four, so she doesn't get rated up, but she has a shift and can shift to more of an aggressive style or low-cost characters to where if you do get to later game where Scar becomes available, that he's a great way to finish out that game. I, I think overall Scar Shameless Firebrand is a tease to what we're going to get with maybe some Ruby Hyenas down the line that Very are possible. cost three and two maybe. That, yeah, I mean, again, I think that the, the potential for the card is there. I just think that the strategies that people have built around that ink type thus far don't allow it to be played. With the Floodborne that are, are with all the Floodborne cards that are not used right now, there is high potential for these to be meta down the line for sure. Yep. Yeah, and so, you know, I think, we, I think we've touched all these in like the news on previous episodes before, but just, you know, as I mentioned, there are six. Floodborne so far, there's one in Amber, the Queen, Commanding Presence, shifts for two, which is crazy because as of chapter one, we don't have anything that shifts near that low. I mean, I guess we have one that a couple in Sapphire that shifts for three, but nothing that shifts for two. I mean, she drops down three ink for that, which is something we've never seen before in a Floodborne. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then a, a really crazy, another Challenger ability card. So, you know, we... Um, in the last episode, we talked about the ability in Amber that lets you banish a character that was challenged that turn. Her ability, the Queen's, is whenever this character quests, chosen opposing character gets minus four strength this turn, and chosen opposing character on your team gets plus four strength this turn. So that's another card then that allows you to challenge in on Amber that you wouldn't have been able to do before. It It's also a way that, like, this is a crazy thing that you can do. You can completely get rid of a card's uh strength you can attack into that card with and you four don't, strength and you don't get damaged yeah potentially if you take maybe like four strength is all it has 
um, and you get rid of it. So I, I think that's something we're going to see all the time, especially if you're able to shift for two, which we don't know what is the other queen card if we'd be able to shift. I haven't seen that yet, but... Um, so that could play into it, but I, I think this is a absolutely huge meta-changing card. I think that could be a big one as well. So, And then you know we've talked a bunch about the bell card. If you're into any of the leaks, I'm sure you've seen this one. The bell hidden archer and emerald um, also shifts, or shifts for three, like we see with Aurora, the Guardian, and Jasmine, Queen of Agrabah, and Sapphire currently. But her ability is whenever this character is challenged, the challenging character's player discards all the cards in their hand and so again with a lot of the shenanigans that emerald has you know with john silver making people reckless with the other item or the other action the beast is mine and emerald that also makes people reckless you know if you play this and then make someone reckless into you they have to discard their whole hand which if you're playing you know a, a ruby amethyst deck like yours that likes to draw a lot of cards and have a lot of options that gets rid of all those options. I mean, I th I think the the potential potential for the bell hidden archer is is easy to see. Yeah, um, it's also legend. It's also one of the legendaries in the set. It is uninkable, so that's a little against it, or has a little you know check against it. But I think that will be a strong one too. Touched on many already, kind of talking about the ruby, but the Minnie Mouse Wide Eyed Diver um, is a four cost shift two as well. the The difference here is that. She is evasive, and so she's going to be like the cheapest, quickest evasive character you can get out. Um, two strength through willpower, but we're kind of not sold on her yet because she quests for one, and her and to activate her ability is a really high bar to, to go over, which is whenever you play a second action in a turn, this character gets plus two lore. So it's, it's, it, it's a great ability, but it's just really, I mean, how often do you play two actions in one turn? Like, there would have to be a lot of cheap actions to go after to make that worthwhile. Now... We could be getting into what we talked about the teams because that works with the Mickey Mouse Artful Rogue. So that is true. We we could be seeing a, a Fab Five Fab Six team being built here. If if I would love to play an Emerald Ruby item heavy deck with Mickey and Minnie, where she's she's evasive, so she's your quester. You have Mickey late game to stop all of everybody from questing on their turn so I, I think there is potential there for sure but as alone as it stands now without understanding the rest of the cards I'm, I'm not sold on many yet Cogsworth on the other hand one of the two uh, sapphire ones we've seen thus far the Cogsworth grandfather clock has a shift three he has ward so opponents can't directly um, deal damage to him like a Cusco um, but his ability is resist are your other characters gain resist plus one. So kind of like Aurora, Dreaming Guardian, but for resist. I mean, it's got it's got that five willpower. It's got that two strength, two lore. It's inkable for five. Um, I mean, all those stats around it, just overall, I think it's going to be a great card. I just think it's easy to say, especially if you get this out for three, for shift. Um you shift this on turn three, and then you're playing a steel deck where they want to shift on Tink in turn four. Tink's passive of dealing one damage to everybody when she comes into play is useless. This is this is mind-boggling to me. Like I, I, I get it. It's only resist one, but this is all, all your cards, and Res especially if you're able to. Did I say that right? Resist plus yeah. one. Yeah. Um, especially if you're able to work in the 
the Floodborne Aurora onto this as well. To then give all of your characters ward. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of potential with this one. I, I, I would love to see some Sapphire decks with him. Um, and then there is the other Sapphire card, Gaston, the intellectual powerhouse in Sapphire. Um, he's a six cost uninkable, shifts four, quests for three, so a massive powerhouse quester, um, along with being an intellectual powerhouse. But his ability is when you play this character, look at the top three cards of your deck, you may put one into your hand, one to the one, put the rest to the bottom of your deck. So you get to look at three cards, put one in your hand, so he replaces himself. And then you get to kind of shift through to get to the cards that you want, like a, um, like an amber, like a couple cards in amber that you get to do now, like the be our guest, a song that's currently in amber that I know has played a lot. Um, like I think I think that there's a lot of fun to be had with this. Um, I don't think it necessarily fits into my play style. Um, but like it, it's just fun. Like making a, Making Gaston a genius is hilarious. I think it's an overall fun uh, idea to play with. But uh, Shift 4, quest for 3. I mean, that alone makes it interesting. And I, I think that's a good point to be had. I just think that there are... If you're playing if, if you're playing Sapphire to quest, that isn't... I would rather play Emerald. Um, I see I see what you're saying, definitely. I just think that the this is, doesn't fit into my play style. No, personally. I agree. I, it's probably not one that I would specifically play, but I do see where it could be really strong. Um, but lastly, as we just kind of talk through some of these, we get to the, the giant Cinderella, as I've dubbed her, because she goes with along with the giant Tink. But Cinderella, Southhearted, is probably top two or three of my favorite cards thus far. She's a seven cost, shift five, resist plus two. So pair her with Cogsworth, you have resist plus three, which would be just too much to think about. But her ability is whenever you play a song, this character may challenge ready characters this turn. So if their ink's drying, or I guess not if their ink's drying, but if they weren't questing and you want to challenge them because they were trying to save them from being banished, then you can just banish into them. That can go challenge ready, like drying cards. I think so for sure, right? I don't know. I guess are, are drying cards ready? I would, I would say they can... Somebody correct me there. I guess I could be wrong, but I mean, I could be wrong. Um, but again, like with the Cogsworth, all the stats around it make it even better. Like you get seven, seven cost, inkable, uh, five strength, five willpower, three lore, resist plus two, all, plus two. All of that makes this an outstanding card. Yep. Um, I'd play this if it if it was um, uninkable, but it makes it even better card if. That it is inkable. Um, I don't. There's to me, there is not a downside to this card. Not that I can see. That's for sure. I mean, like I said, that's one. Of, it's one of my favorites. But yeah. So the the point I, I think we're trying to make of just re going back over all those is that there's a lot of excitement around the Floodborne characters to come. Like I I, I see potential in every single one of them. And so, it, you know, there's the option I think you have to play all of these if you wanted to. Usually when a Floodborne is introduced, that creates a whole new deck type. And that that is that is the, the Floodborne shtick. Sh that's what it's all about, and that's why I love it. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, you know, mo most, if not aside from the Emerald, really aggro decks, I, ha I struggle to find another example that doesn't have a Floodborne in there. You have the Steel Song... 
this or the Steel Amber Song deck that has Giant Tink, that some versions also have Surfer Stitch. You have the Ruby Amethyst Control, which has Elsa and uh, uh, Heroic Outlaw. Did you just say Surfer Stitch is a Floodborn? Did I say no? I, did I say Surfer Stitch or did I say? Did you? Rockstar what did you Stitch? mean? If you meant Rockstar, Rockstar Stitch, okay. I meant Rockstar okay, Stitch. Okay, okay. And you have Rockstar Stitch and Giant Tink. On the Ruby Amethyst control decks, you've got Aladdin and Elsa. On the Sapphire decks, you've got the Aurora Dreaming Guardian. Um, on the other, like like I said, there's a couple other Ruby like evasive decks where you've got Aladdin Heroic Outlaw on. Uh, you've got, like I said, Surfer Stitch. Not so I did that time you were in my head. You've got Rockstar Stitch and most every... Uh, Amber deck. You've, I've also played quite a few Facilier-centric decks where the whole idea is to bounce cards and put them back in your hand and keep your hand full that way. So Facilier, we, hadn't, we didn't touch on, but he's also a pretty strong one. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously we the, the Tink one is the main one from uh, Steel, but the, the Hook I've seen played a few times too. And so there's a, there's a strong meta around those now, and the cards, add to your point, all kind of century around that main floodborne and so this was the main topic that i wanted to touch on in this episode is but how does the addition of a lot more floodborne cards change the way the game is played like in general and the in the comment i'll make and then i'll and then i'll give you the floor is you know you already mentioned that there's usually a big character that you're building to whether that be aladdin you know you have the street rat on the board to be a really big threat, not because of the card itself, but because of what can happen to it. You know, you can shift onto it, and that's a massive threat. Uh, you have the baby Stitch that you can shift Rockstar Stitch onto, got it right that time, which is also a massive threat because then you can get a lot of card draw off of it. He also quests for three. Same thing with Baby and Giant Tink. You're gonna deal a ton of damage if Giant Tink comes on the board. So the point I'm trying to make is, is when those cards come on, they're a huge distraction for your opponent. But when the release of Chapter 2, and even further down the line with Chapter 3 and Chapter 4, there will be so many Floodborne options that will that will there always be a shift option for even the small cards then that you're playing? I mean, it's, it's definitely a possibility. They have to... I, th I think that's one thing to keep in mind is... And, and maybe this is this is the concept, but is is the point of a floodborne? Is that to be special? Is like is there only a few in every deck? Is that the point? Or as in the name flood floodborne, is it to flood your opponent with them? Is it to overwhelm your opponent with the amount of floodborns you have and the pace they're coming at you at? Yeah, I don't that's know. A, that's a very good point. I mean, in in the way that I see it, is it could go two ways. Either one you get to a point where every single card that you play early game does have a shift target and so all of them are threats and you don't know which shift targets your opponent has and so you're worried about taking them all out or two you get to a place where all of the shift targets are so i don't i don't know the right the, the best way to put it but like unimportant that it doesn't really matter. You know, like a lot of the shift targets today, I think outside of like Aladdin Street Rat are pretty just vanilla cards. 
and so they're not really a big threat on their own. And so maybe they like even scale those back a little bit more where they're even weaker mm-hmm. as the shift targets. And then it becomes hard to get any of those shifted cards out there because they're always being taken out. Regardless, I think when you have you know, five or six shift options per ink type, it will become very interesting to see the amount of shift people put in their decks. And I think that's only something we can really take into full account as as new chapters come on. Yeah, and, um, of course. It's going to be really exciting to see how, how overall how Floodborne evolves, but overall how the game evolves. Yeah, I, I, I think that Floodborne could be like the engine that does evolve the game, I guess is what I'm getting at. Because if it does get to a point where Floodborne is so powerful that everybody's playing Floodborne, then that's the engine that's driving the change in the game. And I think in it is already doing that to a certain extent, which is which is crazy. Um, and it's only going to get more from here on out. And I think that's where my overall hype and excitement comes from. Uh, I just think overall it's a great concept and overall it's been executed really well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is one of the most, and, and if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was our like most powerful, like top tier on the ability rankings. Do we put Floodboard on the ability? Or are you talking about Shift? No, Shift. Like Shift, Floodborne, Floodborne, Shift. I do think it was pretty high up there. I'm, I can't I'm pretty exactly sure remember. it was one. I, I could be wrong, and it might be two. But the point is, is like this is the most important like mechanic of the game as it stands today. And For with, sure. as you mentioned, Chapter 2 being called Rise of the Floodborne, and then bringing out a ton more Floodborne characters, I, I stand to reason that this is going to continue to be one of the most important pieces of the game. And so when you have that many you know, cards that could be shift targets, it's, it's a, it makes it much harder to read your opponent. Like today, you know, a lot of the small cards that you play in Amber are, you know, you play Stitch, you play Simba, you play Lilo, you play maybe like, I don't know, Maximus, you know, or like, you know, you a very solid number of like turns one through four. Mm-hmm. What if every single one of those cards had a shift target? I mean, then it's like, which of those is the actual threat that you need to take off the board? And that's where it's get, it gets nutty. Yeah, because today it's like, okay, I need to get Simba off the board so that I can get Stitch off the board. Mm-hmm. But if Simba and Stitch and Lilo all have shift targets, maybe as an opponent you don't have all three of the shifted cards in your deck but your opponent doesn't know that and so to to them all of those are a massive threat and so they have to like overextend themselves to take all those cards out that's the way that i see it at least again i'm a noob what do i know but to me that's extremely intriguing of like a deception style of play like your opponent can play a wardrobe and all of a sudden it shifts onto the big floodborne wardrobe and just wipes your board for context, there's not a Floodborne wardrobe. Jake is just campaigning for it to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, we could you imagine all the clothes she can just shoot out at you, man? That's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. But who wants a Floodborne wardrobe? I do. I'm pushing for it. You're right. For, forget Floodborne, I don't know, like Hercules? Hercules, when you can have a Floodborne wardrobe. I mean, I'd, I'd definitely take the for, uh, Floodborne Hercules, but, you know, if we, if we get... <laughs> Wardrobe on okay, the side. let's let's stick to our let's stick to our basis here. Let's get Floodborne Pascal before we get Floodborne Wardrobe. I, I like I love Pascal as he is. 
I floorboard wardrobe. Let's go. That's my that's my <laughs> next push. All right. Floodborne Wardrobe 2024 campaign started here today. You heard it here first. I've hinted at it a few times, but we're starting it now. Um. Okay. Any final thoughts? I I love this. I I, I just love. I mentioned it multiple times here on this episode. It gets me so excited to talk about Floodborne. Um. I I, I just think it's the kind of the bread and butter of this game, and I I cannot wait to see more. Yeah, I, I think I covered it all for me too. I mean, again, I, I've, I've said it, but I just want to reiterate. I mean, the biggest thing to me is is what does having six or eight shift targets per ink type do to the game? Because again, I'm not saying that will break the game. I'm saying I don't think it will be very or near as easy to read your opponent and what their intentions are and what they're building to in their deck because again, they could have three or four cards in their deck that they play early that all could be shift targets and you don't know which ones to go after and so it just it just makes it very interesting and much more of a deception game and will really change the way that you have to like kind of bait out cards from your opponent without overextending so that you don't get blown out of the water because they shift on something that you didn't expect absolutely i totally agree yeah I, i mean i think it's i think it's really intriguing i think as we continue to see this unfold with sets two three and beyond we will really start to understand where they're going to take the game longer term. I think, yeah, I think Floodborne is the main engine of where the game's going. I agree. I think this is what really makes it interesting and different from a lore perspective, like we already talked about, from a mechanic perspective that you've definitely seen if you've played the game, from a deception perspective, like I've just touched on. So I think it just has a lot of potential to really move the game forward. I totally agree. Okay. Again, everyone, we couldn't be more appreciative for you listening, and thanks for all the support. If you have any comments or questions, please shoot them our way, and we will catch you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye. As always, thanks.